Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, South Hills, for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I love getting to be here, especially with South Hills, but specifically with South Hills Costa Mesa. Uh, Chris and Ez are such good friends of ours. Uh, me and my wife, Taylor, um, are going to celebrate five years of marriage uh, this year. And we're excited to celebrate that. And we also know the reality is we wouldn't be able to celebrate that without the love and support of people like Chris and Ez who've walked with us um, throughout our marriage. So again, it's an honor to be here to serve you guys. Um, and I, I have a particular um, tenderness when it comes to South Hills. Uh, when I was, man, 10 years ago, early on in my relationship with God, um, I come to a place where I was burnt out and I felt like giving up. And I remember wandering into a Sunday night uh, service that South Hills Corona was having. And I remember wandering into that room. Uh, I was working the morning shift at Starbucks and I still had my work shoes on, was dressed in all black, just didn't have my green apron on. But I remember showing up to that place and finding hope and realizing that God wasn't done with me yet. So South Hills again, it's my honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, Thank you, Chris, for having me. For everybody who's watching online, I'm excited for you this morning, wherever you're at. Maybe you're still at home, uh, you're sipping your cup of coffee, whether it's on the couch, at the kitchen table, maybe you haven't even made it out of bed yet. Here's what I believe this morning, is that God can meet you exactly where you are. Uh, You guys have been going through a series called This Is Us. You've been talking about the values that you hold as a church, the values that South Hills has committed to embodying as a people, as a community moving forward. Uh, Chris sent me an email saying, hey, can you teach on this value in our series? You're talking about who we are. Um, and to be honest with you, it didn't really matter what the value was going to be. I was going to say yes, because the last time Chris had me teach, well, he went on a summer break. You guys were going through the seven deadly sins. And Chris gave me the honor of talking with the church about lust and sex and sexuality. So thanks again for that, Chris. I still haven't forgotten. I don't think I'll ever forget the time you had me talk to your church and relative strangers about lust, but I'm not bitter about it at all. Uh, But this morning, we're talking about this value uh, that South Hills has, that we are called to be ourselves and not a copy of anyone else. I'll say that one more time. We're called to be ourselves and not a copy of anyone else. So we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm going to pray for us before we go on. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what this church represents to this community. Uh, to the city, to the people who call this place home. God, I thank you that it's a place where they hear your voice. I thank you that it's a place where the leadership cares about the community, about the people, about how they're doing, about their marriages, about how parenting is going, about their spiritual lives. God, I thank you for South Hills and the church that it is, God. And God, we're living at a time where not all of us are able to gather But what we know about you, what we believe about you is you are able. God, distance will not prevent you from speaking to your children this morning. And I believe that you want to speak to your kids this morning. God, I trust that you want to encourage them, that it's your desire that they would understand more 
of who you are and more of the way that you care about them, more of the way that you love them, more of the way that you are for them. So God, would you take this time, would you take this moment wherever it is and all the different places throughout the city, throughout this community where you're meeting with people in their homes, would you make it sacred? Would you make it a moment where you meet them? So I thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Uh, If we're going to talk about being ourselves, one of the things we're going to have to do um, is recognize that even though it would seem like we would be the experts on us, uh, usually we don't actually see ourselves through the clearest of lenses. We don't actually see a full picture of who we are. Uh, My view of myself is radically different than the view of, let's say, my mother. Uh, I'm half Mexican. My mom, as a Hispanic mother, believes about her eldest son, myself, that I am a saint. I'm an angel. We didn't grow up going to church, and that didn't matter because I was still her son. And my mom's view of her firstborn is always that, that I'm, you know, God's gift to the earth. So my mom's view is different than the view of my younger brother. See, my younger brother probably doesn't think that I'm God's gift to the earth because of what we went through as kids. The way that I see myself is different from the way that they see me. The way that my wife sees me is different than the way that I see myself. And some of these things, they overlap, and some would agree on some things. Um, There are some parts about how they see me that I would completely disagree with. So how then can we wrestle with, if we want to answer the call to be ourselves, we have to reconcile, well, what does it mean to be myself? Can we agree on who we are? Is there agreement between you and your friends and your family and really yourself about what it means for you to be you? Because the value is a beautiful value. Be yourself because you're called to be. Don't copy anyone else, just be you. But in order to fully embody that and step into it, we have to be willing to concede that maybe I don't have the fullest picture of me. A mentor of mine used to say, there's no awareness like self-awareness. There's no awareness like self-awareness. Have you ever worked with someone who's not self-aware? You ever worked on a project with a, maybe a classmate, maybe it was a teammate for a work project who wasn't self-aware, who wasn't aware of how they impacted the team, who wasn't aware of the way that they showed up, uh, who wasn't aware of their personality and its influences. Uh, for years, I wasn't aware that my face at rest is not a friendly face. So I would sit quietly in meetings not understanding that I was making the room uncomfortable. But that was just my resting, relaxing face. That's my face when the sun is shining or when the rain is falling, but I wasn't aware. Uh, When I got married, I believed that I was laid back. I was go with the flow is what I would tell Taylor. Yeah, I'm go with the flow. I'm Tongan. We're from the islands. We wear flip-flops everywhere. I listen to reggae music. Bob Marley's my guy. And I learned real quick that uh, being laid back or go with the flow has less to do with the kind of music that you listen to and more about your actual pace of life. See, my, my wife loves her mornings with coffee and a book, which I love coffee and I love books too. But let me, I'll explain some of the difference. See, 
10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes into coffee and her book, I'm prepared to ask the question, so what are we going to do today? So where do you want to go? So what do you want to eat? So what do you think we can do for lunch? And after that, what about, oh, and tonight, maybe we should call, have you texted, what are Chris and Ez doing? You think we can go swimming today? But I thought that I was laid back, and, and my wife, and I think just marriage in general, tends to show you your blind spots, show you the places where you're not completely self-aware. Have you ever worked with someone who's not self-aware? But I'll take it a step um, closer and say, have you ever cared for someone who maybe isn't self-aware? I'll even go so far as to say, have you ever loved someone who wasn't self-aware? Have you ever loved someone who didn't see a full or clear picture of who they are? See, for a lot of us, we've cared for and loved people who don't see a full picture of themselves. Um, In my relationship with Taylor, Taylor doesn't see me as I see myself. And when when we sit down and we talk and we talk about the future and we talk about our plans and we talk about dreams or work or possibilities, she often hears my own fears that I have about my abilities, my own fears that I have about um, opportunities or do I have enough to make this happen? Will I fall? Will I fail? And typically my wife doesn't share many of those fears because she doesn't see me the way that I see me. She doesn't have a distorted view of me. She doesn't share my fears because she doesn't see these magnified projections of my own weaknesses and insecurities. And sometimes there's such a big difference that I want to push it off. I want to say, ah, oh, you're just saying that because, because you love me. Ah, oh, you're just saying that because my wife or kids. Ah, oh, you're just, you know, you're just my mom. I remember, you know, grandma and, and mom used to always, you're, you're so whatever. Your, your grandma could say you're strong, you're sweet, you're handsome. And it's just like, okay, grandma, thank you. you you're just saying that because you love me. Parents, is it not your experience that as your child goes out into the world, sometimes they come home with this different view of themselves? And is it not the compassionate heart of a parent that says, hey, who told you to see yourself that way? Hey, who gave you the idea that you weren't enough? Hey, who gave you the idea that there was something wrong with you? Who gave you that idea that you weren't pretty enough or smart enough? Where'd you get that? Is it not the compassionate heart of a parent that fights that distortion, that twisted view that you might have of yourself? Because if we endeavor to be who God has called us to be, to truly be ourselves, we have to admit that sometimes trying to be ourselves isn't about being ourselves, it's about being who maybe we think we need to be. It's about being what I need to be in order to be loved. It's about being someone who's worthy of care or affection. And we can pursue that through different ways, through accomplishment, achievement. 
Maybe being yourself has been defined up until this point about being invisible. Who am I? I'm the person that's quiet so that I don't create conflict around me because I don't want to add to the conflict. Maybe being you has been about being a mediator. Maybe being you has been about being perfect so that you're safe from criticism. Maybe being yourself has been about being what someone would consider good. And even if it's just a projection, even if it's just shallow, even if it's not actually deep, even if it's just a way of putting up a mask and saying, I just need to be anything that you'll accept. Even if it's disconnected from how I feel, even if it's disconnected from how I actually believe, I just need to be what's going to be okay. See, part of following Jesus is allowing the way that God sees us to inform and define who we are. If we're going to step in and be who we've been called to be, if we're going to be ourselves, we have to allow that view to be shaped by who God says we are. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes this about the church and about the believers there. He says this beautiful phrase. He says, for we are what he has made us. Some of your translations might read, we are his worksmanship. We are his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. I actually love the simplicity of we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The idea that you were created on purpose, intentionally, not an accident. You were made. And there's an assumption within scripture when we're, we're looking at the context of the Bible, New Testament or Old Testament, there's an assumption that if God made something with intention, he made it good. He made it beautiful. This isn't a New Testament idea. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works. My heart knows it well. There's an assumption about you throughout scripture and it's that you were made intentionally and wonderfully. Not only are we made, not only is it God's intention and no accident, but you're seen. There's no one anonymous. There are no anonymous citizens in the kingdom of heaven. There are no nameless children in the family of God. Luke 15, one of the most famous passages in scripture, Jesus, when talking about his love for the outsider, for the sinner, for the excluded, he gives an example. He paints a picture for them to wrestle with. And he says this in Luke 15. Uh, so he told in this parable, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now our assumption is, well, of course, that's what shepherds do. They go after the lost sheep. No, no, Jesus is making a point to them that they wouldn't, that a 1% loss was acceptable. Hey, we have 100, we only lost one. Our job is to protect them. We only lost one today. We're doing okay. It's not worth the risk to go into the wilderness. Jesus is setting himself up, not as every other shepherd. He's saying, no, no, no. 
I am a different shepherd altogether. I'm not okay with even one being lost. I'm not satisfied with that percentage of loss. I'm not satisfied with that. And he says, look at the way that I care. It's different than what you're used to. And it goes on. Uh, and he says in verse five, when he is founded, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Jesus is painting a ridiculous picture. And it's easy for us to read this in 2020 and assume that this was normal shepherd behavior. It was not. This was like lunatic shepherd behavior. You're throwing a party to celebrate your one sheep. You have a hundred of them. And you want me to take time out of my day to come to your party for this one sheep, probably uh, not the smartest sheep. It got lost, got separated, probably not the strongest. This sheep should be in trouble. <laughs> this sheep should have a marker around his ankle to let us know, hey, this one got away. Keep an eye on him. And Jesus is telling this ridiculous story where he says, I'm throwing a party for the thing that you call unvaluable, nameless, anonymous, just another sheep, just a number. And Jesus says, there's no such thing as anonymity with me. I'm not okay with losing any of it. You were created, you were made and you're not anonymous. In John chapter 10, Jesus directly refers to himself as a shepherd. And he gives us another picture of what it's like uh, to be known by God, to be known by Jesus. And he says this in verse two, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, we live in a time where it's, it's almost assumed that God is a personal God, that our spirituality is an individualistic relationship. But the magnitude of what Jesus is saying can easily be lost in that assumption because the reader had a much larger view of who God was. God was the God of creation, the God of the cosmos, the God who holds everything together, everything stemmed from him, all of it. All the natural beauty and wonder, the galaxies, it was all created by him. And how Jesus is painting him as more personal. Um, I don't know what you guys have been doing to pass the time in quarantine, if it's been um, binging shows. Uh, me and Taylor have been rewatching Stranger Things. It's been so good to rewatch that show. Uh, she's been, you know, getting more books on Kindle. We found time. We've been going on walks. Our dogs are probably in the best shape of their lives. I don't know how you've been passing time, uh, but one of the unique ways, maybe, maybe it's not unique. We'll see. Uh, one of the unique ways and, and things that I enjoy is neuroscience. Uh, the study of the brain. So if anyone else is interested in that, maybe you're in the chat like, yeah, neurobiology, I'm into the brain and the way that it functions. Uh, great, let's talk after. You know, DM me, we can send each other articles uh, and we'll talk about it. One of the um, 
reasons that it, it's captivating for me is your brain, your mind, the way that it functions um, is immensely complex. There are hundreds of billions of stars in the sky. And yet even in this room, even in the room that I'm in, there's a few of us here, each of us, within our own brains, there are 80 billion plus neurons in your brain sending electrical impulses sometimes five to 50 times in a second. Maybe those numbers are too big. I'm not a math major. Those are large numbers. Maybe you don't see the world that way. Let me put it to you differently. There is a galaxy's worth of complexity within any given room at any given time. A galaxy. In the square footage that you occupy in your room, in this church, maybe you felt confined during quarantine. I'm telling you, there's a cosmos of complexity to you. You intentionally created being with purpose, who's not anonymous, who is called by name. God calling us by name is enough reason to be ourselves. When the good shepherd calls you by name, it's a validation of your worth. It's a validation of your existence, that you are worth being and you are worth knowing. And that's why we're called to be ourselves because God's gonna call your name, not someone else's name and expect you to come. God, the good shepherd, doesn't call out a description of what a good sheep looks like. He doesn't say, hey, the ones who have gone to this place and done this thing who look this way, he calls them by name. Do you know your name? Because that's what God is calling. He's not calling some idealized version of you, some picture of you in the future. He's not calling you out by your past. He's not calling you about the possibilities of what could happen. He's not calling you by anything other than your name and God, the God of the cosmos, the God who is involved in every detail, knows your name. That's enough reason to be you. That's enough reason. The creator says, you, I want you. You come to me. So I'd love to ask you this morning, you, created in God's image, known and called by name, liberated from your past, from your failure, secure in the present. Maybe the question this morning for you is what does it even mean to be you? Maybe where you are, if you have something to write with, maybe you write it down. What does it mean for me to be me when I'm infinitely loved, when I'm unchained from my past, when I have a purpose? What does that mean? What does it mean to live in that liberty and in that freedom? Because that's what God wants for you. Without a doubt in my mind, God wants his children living free without a distorted view of themselves. I just want to pray for you, South Hills. I want to pray. I believe God um, is speaking to you wherever you are. So I want to pray for you, and we'll have another song of worship to end our time together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. 
If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.